You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today, I've got just Cam Barry with me, as it's just a two-man show here on this Friday afternoon. Absolutely, as Brooks Childress goes up with the Beauregard guys up to Jemison today as the Beauregard Hornets will come up after our show, 6.30 airtime. Yeah, so Brooks uh, Brooks has other things to do, and so just myself and Cam Barry here this afternoon. But for the full three hours, we will have a lot of football talk for you, of course, as we get set for Auburn and Mississippi State inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium in just under 24 hours from now. So we'll preview, of course, all the big matchups in that game, continue to give our thoughts on what will happen on Saturday. Of course, we'll also look ahead to all the college football games going on in the SEC and nationwide of relevance. We will have one brief segment. We'll make sure we get in a little World Series talk, too, as the World Series does start tonight. And, of course, anything else that you, the callers and listeners, want to talk about on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free one triple eight nine tiger nine again ryan lavoy cam berry with you here on this friday cam we've made it to the end of another week another college football saturday in store tomorrow how are you this afternoon i'm doing well uh would have been a lot happier if a couple nights ago the hawks were be able were able to get an opening uh night win uh in charlotte against jj jackson's hornets <laughs> but uh it is what it is uh hopefully they learn from the lesson you know your your guards really struggled if you were trey and uh and Dejounte, they really struggled so um hopefully they i mean they both seem to know that they didn't do well and and you kind of got to go from there um but doing really well uh, ready to talk some football ready to um uh, uh, just get the weekend going. Halloween weekend uh, should be a good one, and also a, a, a good potential get right game for Auburn uh, with Mississippi State coming to town. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is the point in the season where the results need to start coming. Now, obviously, uh, to this point, both the results have not been there and the optics, although the optics have been far worse than the results, because again, it's not shocking that Auburn has lost some of these games. And in fact, the right. final score tells you that Auburn was hanging around it's just how it looked in the meantime uh that that was so poor 
And, of course, now this is the part of the season which makes or breaks a bowl bid. And, obviously, that's not the goal long-term for Auburn. The, the, the goals are much more lofty than that. But coming off a team that did not make a bowl game last year, a bowl game is kind of the minimal yeah. place to start Gotta in year one. And so this is a very important game in trying to determine that. Again, uh, great opportunity. Should beat New Mexico State in a few weeks. And I still think for all the world that Auburn will take care of Vandy and Nashville next week. So those are two wins that I still expect Auburn will get either way. You need to find one more. And you got at Arkansas in a few weeks, but you got this home game against Mississippi State. We are still unclear on the status of Will Rogers. I will continue to monitor those news stories throughout the show today but Rodgers continues to be a question mark I think that at this point he's probably going to end up being a game time decision it's gonna be one of those things where we all try to look in pregame warm-ups tomorrow and see if he's going to play or not Mike Wright the Vanderbilt transfer uh, is going to be the quarterback for Mississippi State if Will Rodgers cannot go of course we know about the seven to three game they played last weekend I'm sure a lot of people are not going to project something that low although this is not going to be a higher scoring game either i mean this i think the over under is still about 41 in this game so uh with all that in mind cam i mean let's let's start out let's try not to talk opera quarterbacks for the first part of the show as we've done that all week what are some of the other big matchups you're looking for? Some of the other Auburn players that are going to need to step up on Saturday. So I definitely want to see um, Auburn's linebacker room kind of get get uh, get more active. Like they kind of were at the beginning of the season. You know, uh, Eugene Asante's name has not been called near as much as I feel like it should have been. He's, uh, you know, he really broke out and then it kind of seemed to have have just fallen off a little bit. So I'd like to see him get more engaged um, uh, in the game a little bit and, and kind of keep things rolling with him and, and get him going again um, because his energy is something that's definitely just his intensity is, is unmatched, and it's something that um, I definitely think that this defense relies upon. Um, want to be able to see the, the, the defensive line guys get home. Want to see some some uh, Marcus Harris has been really, really good in terms of, of stopping the run. Uh, he's been one of the highest graded run stopping uh, D linemen you know in the country, but in terms of, of passing and, and rushing the passer and things like that, uh, it's still a little bit lackluster overall on the line. So you want to see if, uh, if they can get home to whomever is going to be uh, dropping back to pass for, um, for Mississippi State. Um, but if it's Mike Wright, you have a lot of opportunity. I mean, just overall, if you're the defense, I think this is a really good good opportunity for the defense to continue to um, stand tall, build upon what they've had. I know you know they've they've given up some points here and there, but again, you're really your worst outing was against <clears throat> excuse me, your worst outing was against LSU, uh, and that was an away game, and you know that obviously that wasn't up to your standard. But again, that's an extremely high powered offense. Um, but you did relatively well. I think you're just, uh, again, I think the defense does very, very well. They're just unable to stay off the field uh, because the offense is unable to stay on it. Uh, and so that just, you know, plays into fatigue and being worn down and different things like that. And, and, and eventually, you know, they, they've bent, 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 and eventually they break just because of how, how long they've been on the field. Um, and, and that's, you know, the result of things like the Georgia game, like the um, – like the uh, Ole Miss game, things like that, where they just ended up just giving way because they were on the field so much. So 
Uh, I think I'm, I'm just looking for the defense to maintain the, maintain the standard that they've built. Um, and with the offense, uh, lean on your run game. I want to see the running backs really get going. We haven't really seen just a real explosive, truly explosive run game that you know uh, that these running backs have the potential to um, – to be just uh, you know explosive running backs, Jarquez Hunter has has been a tad disappointing, and maybe that's just because he hasn't been uh, able to really get into a groove because of how the off season went and things like that. He wasn't fully able to work out and, and things like that uh, with the investigation going on uh, over the summer. So maybe that just plays a part into it. I know we're I mean we're seven now eight games into the season, but still that can definitely play a factor because it's a matter of just. You know longevity and how long the uh, just consistency and, and going through your routine and things like that. I mean, you can feel off, and, and for these certain players, uh, it, it might take a while to just kind of get back going. You get Damari Alston back, that's a plus. Um, and, and you still have the uses and services of Brian Batie, and then you still have Jeremiah Cobb. So the running back room is still as talented and deep as ever. Uh, so you want to see those guys really get going, uh, lean on your run game, and, and see if you can find some success because this Mississippi State defense isn't anything that you could really, you know, that, that's not something crazy to write home about. So you should be able to um, find some success somewhere uh, within – within that defense um, if you're the Auburn offense. So I'm looking at the running backs. I'm looking at the edges. I'm looking at uh, the linebackers. Those are three real positions that I want to see get going. And, you know, obviously, too, I think that something, or I should say obviously because this has maybe um, been a little bit of a surprise given some of Hugh Freeze's comments a couple weeks ago uh, around the LSU week is that Auburn has started to get healthier with guys they did not necessarily think would be back by now. Now, Damari Austin's timeline was around this game. Right. But getting Austin Keys back and Keontae Scott here in the in the last week or so, uh, those were two guys that, as of three weeks ago, around the bye week, it was maybe hit or miss on if they'd play again this year. Scott's recovery has certainly been much quicker than expected. And then with Keys, they thought he'd be back around this time, and he was back last week. However... They were thinking of a medical redshirt, said Hugh Freeze last night, and he played so well they want him on the field now, and he's not going to take a medical redshirt. And so they have gained back health on that defensive side of the ball. I think that with this Mississippi State team, let we you got to almost look at it in two different ways because if Will Rogers is healthy, then – their style will be vastly different if Mike Wright's healthy agreed, agreed. Uh, or Mike Wright's the quarterback. So Will Rogers is going to obviously throw a lot. Now, they are not in air raid mode anymore. Even no. when he's healthy, that, that's not the offense they run anymore post-Mike Leach. Uh, they will obviously pass a good bit, but it's not it's not pure, hey, 60 plays, 50 pass attempts. It's, it's not like that. But they will have more of a passing attack with Will Rogers and that will be more of a pocket style, and it will have to be, again, it will be a lot on the DBs, generic pass rush concepts, that sort of thing. If Mike Wright is in there, then they only threw, now granted, they only had 40-something plays against Arkansas. They did not have the yeah. ball a lot. But I think they only threw 12 passes, maybe 14. So they, they ran about 70% of the time, 75% of the time. And so with Mike Wright, who is way more mobile, I believe he read the, uh, led them in rushing last week. Interesting. Wright is going to be 
more the you need to maintain your gaps. You need to not overrush the quarterback when he does drop back. Uh, and he is not going to be uh, dropping back the pass, straight drop back nearly as much as Rodgers. They're going to focus more on the run game, which also means the health of their number one running back, Jaquavius Marks, uh, is important. And yeah. he is expected to play. However, he continually gets banged up from week to week, and he's been nursing a leg injury. So uh, it is not irrational to think that either he will be on some sort of pitch count or he will maybe get nicked up again and not be able to necessarily finish the same way he started because last week I think the second half numbers were something like eight carries, 15 yards for him, something yeah. on there uh, after getting kind of re-aggravating that knee injury around the end of the first half. So they are not necessarily set up if Marks is not healthy to even have a overly robust offensive tag. I mean, again, this is a – with Rodgers in there – this is a slightly below average offense. With him out of there, this is a offense that is again akin to what Auburn's been doing, and, yes. and certainly not yes. going to be viewed uh, as having a plethora of threats. So, you know, I think that depending on who's out there, I don't think it affects the DBs. Obviously, no. they're so involved in the pass game, and they've been doing yep. such a good game, job in coverage. But as you talk about the edges, the linebackers. Their assignments and what they're being asked to do will change pretty drastically because if it's Rodgers, then you're talking about trying to get pressure on him in any way you can. You are talking about some linebackers dropping in pass coverage, and you're you're looking at the whole field, in other words. But with Wright, you're not really expecting a bunch of deep shots. You're not expecting a whole lot of passes, and so you're going to look at probably more bodies around the line of scrimmage and you're going to look at penetration being key, and then those 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 few pass attempts that are there, those straight dropbacks on third and long or whatever. That's when you're looking at more of a uh, a Daniels or Dart dynamic of okay, make sure he does not scramble for first downs, try to keep it in front of you, right? Uh, maintain gap integrity and all that sort of stuff. So. I think it is interesting, and maybe that's why Mississippi State's been a little mum on it. Schools have different preferences here. Sometimes they're kind of like, oh, yeah, this guy's out a couple weeks, and uh, we just we just don't think he's going to be available. And sometimes they're like, I don't know, maybe it'll be him or maybe it'll be someone else. And this is one of those situations where I think that game planning-wise, obviously Mississippi State would rather have Rodgers in there, but at least if, if it is end up Mike Wright, at least Auburn had to prepare with some of the passing stuff that is going to kind of be thrown out if Wright is ultimately in there. So I do see why they want to keep more of a lid on it. And again, I went back over it before the show. There's been no update today. Uh, so I expect he'll travel. He might warm up. He might not. Yeah. But the answer will not be clear on whether he plays or not until minutes or maybe an hour or two before the game at this point. So it'll just be kind of a surprise to all of us. And, again, I think it does change uh, certainly Mississippi State, the, the type of teeth they have, and then also uh, just the style of play and what Auburn's defense will be asked to defend. We're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, more Auburn-Mississippi State more college football we'll also get to the orthopedic clinic phone line you're listening to the friday edition of sports sports call on tiger 95.9 
Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. Be a beautiful day inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium tomorrow. Be a little warm. Uh, not necessarily the last week of October type of weather. Be mid-80s. Uh, yeah. But uh, a cold front's a coming. Can I interest you in 60s on Halloween? Jeez. Yeah. All right. 20 cool degree difference. Look, man, yep. it needs to happen. I want a real winter, so <laughs> I'm totally gotta, fine with I, – I don't like an inconsistent where I don't I don't know what to wear type uh, of situation, <laughs> like where where I have to, like, shed off clothes and then uh-huh. put clothes back on. And, and I, I – you know, too complicated. Either let's be cold yeah. or let's be warm. I don't like the in-between back and forth. And sure. you know how early I wake up, too. So yeah. it's just... I, it matters. The I, it lows matters. matter. It yeah. does. It matters. So I don't even want that to be that complicated. I'd rather it just be a consistent cold. Sure. Well, again, Tuesday and Wednesday next week, wear some long stuff. With it. Yeah, well, Get ready for Halloween and that sort of thing. Uh, but again, it'll be pretty warm inside the stadium tomorrow uh, for Auburn-Mississippi State game. And... Also, too, just the timing of it. Usually, you don't see a two thirty game unless it's the CBS game. Usually, you got like the SEC Network three o'clock game, right? And the Auburn Vandy game, which will be eight days from now, is a three o'clock SEC Network game. But Auburn and Mississippi State is two thirty SEC Network. So, uh, I know that I would have had a tendency to think, oh, it's the SEC Network mid afternoon game. It's at three, but I don't get thrown off by that. This week it is two thirty. So we've talked some Auburn defense against Mississippi State's offense. Let's talk Auburn offense, but now still without the quarterback. And then we will uh, take a phone call or two. So, again, we'll save quarterbacks for later because, again, we've been talking about all week. Austin comes back, and to me, at the time of his injury, which was pretty early, I mean, we don't have a huge sample size of it, he was feeling like a clear number two. Now, yes. Batiz had some really good moments in his absence. I agree. Cobb has not been as active in SEC play, although he looked really good early. He's just not had many opportunities the last few weeks. Right. So, Austin coming back, does that change things for you? Does that greatly change the rotation? Do you still want Batiz to get the second most touches at running back? Where are you at there? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean – I think they had Alston uh, as a number two for a reason, um, and I do, I, th- I, I do like that. But he brings a, a fantastic change of pace. He is he he cuts really well. He's just shifty, fast, and and just really low center of gravity. Which um, I I think I just think he's a he's a very 
He's a very east to west type of running back, and he can get to the edges very, very well. Whereas I feel like both Austin and uh, Jarquez Hunter are, are pretty north and south type of, of running backs. Um, so I still think Batiste should get a decent amount of touches because of the element that he brings, especially with his speed. Uh, but I don't think it changes too much. I, I still think they're going to give Austin his chances and his shots to, to touch the ball. He might still get the second most amount of touches. Uh, it, it's obviously still Jarquez's backfield, but I, I think I, I don't think it changes too much for me. I, I think that it's going to be a, a decent split between all three of those guys, and it'll just depend on the situation, who gets what touches, and, and whose skill set is going to be the most needed. Uh, because, again, Batie is, is a fantastic change of pace running back, and I think he his value is something that he br- uh, he brings more value in that sense than the other two running backs. Yeah, and again, Jarquez Hunter did come off of one of his better games of the year now. Very true. I, I'm always – I kind of flip-flop back and forth in this. There's not too many things I flip-flop on, but – you know, sometimes we do the thing too much where we take away the biggest play and say, well, we'll look at the rest of the sample size. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, a big play is a big play, and if it results in a touchdown or is really important in the game, like it's, again, you can't throw it out. But if no. you are interested, Jarquez Hunter had that 53-yard run really early for the touchdown. No, everything Hit, else was rough. Yeah, his other 14 carries were only for 38 yards. Yeah. And that's kind of along the lines of what we've seen at times this year. Um, particularly, obviously, Power 5 competition can be different. And it's kind of gone into the, well, he's not really had the year people were hoping for. Now, Auburn did not run overly well, period, against Ole Miss. I mean, the, the average yards of carry was 3.9 when you factor in everybody. You take away that 53-yard run, then Auburn would have run for an even 100 yards on 38 plays or on 38 rush attempts. So truly, they did not run well against Ole Miss. Yeah, and people will tell you that again that Mississippi State, although not a great defense, um, not not the caliber of the, the upper half of this league, rush defense is pretty good. Again, I I have said this week that it's still to me, and I don't mean this disrespectfully. But I, I do have a little bit of, well, it's still Mississippi State, and you still, if you're Auburn, need to move them around from time to time and make yeah. gains on the ground. But again, statistically, Mississippi State, pretty good run defense. I think 120-something yards a game. Auburn, for reference, about 25 more yards than that. We deem Auburn to be doing a pretty good job uh, against the ground game mostly this year. So that, to me, is going to be interesting. Because I also, we, we talk about telegraphing things with quarterbacks in. I also don't want them to end up telegraphing things when Brian Batiste's in. And the danger there is if you're going to play him even less, he's only going to be on the field five or six plays, I don't want you to make it obvious that he is going to go catch a screen or he's going to catch a swing pass or an off-tackle run. Uh, When he's been utilized more, you have to account for everything. But, again, if he's only going to be out there for a few snaps – you're going to kind of have a general idea if you're a defense, like, hey, he's probably not pass blocking on yeah. this play if it's first and 10 and Batie just came in and you need to watch the edge. So, anyway, I, I 
I, I want to be careful of that too, but I do think Austin is every bit as talented of a runner as Hunter. I agree. And it's a matter of I like if he'll be healthy and he I don't know, he might be on a pitch count too in his first game back. Could be for sure. And, and we'll see if he's technically 100% because, I mean, he just got cleared this week, so it's not impossible that he's 94% or some arbitrary number that's not 100%. Yeah. But it, it, I think it's very much with Hunter having some struggles this year, they could get in a situation if Austin breaks some early, they could start to ride with him. And yeah. I almost think that it could be getting to that hot back scenario where there's not enough space in the way Hunter's played this year to just guarantee him – that he gets yeah. 25 carries or 20 carries, whatever it is. Uh, and, and so they, they have options there. But, again, they do have to run it a little bit better than they did against Ole Miss because, again, the, the numbers can be a little deceiving because for large chunks of that game they did not run the ball uh, effectively enough given what this passing tax been. And, look, that I've, I've stayed away from it. I'm going to stay away from, it, away from it for a little bit longer. But when you can't pass the ball – then it makes it harder in your running game. Limited. And I talk about this with you off air and the reverse of my NFL team who can't run the ball. Yeah. Therefore, it makes it tougher to throw the ball, even when you've got some things that should work. Right. I think the Bucks have some things passing tack-wise that should work uh, between their receivers and that sort of thing. And I think Auburn's rushing game have some things that should work. However, it's that much more difficult to be consistent with it when that's all the defense tries to account for uh, the whole time. So – um, again, we will talk quarterbacks in just a little bit, uh, and I'm, I've just wanted to talk about some other elements of the game. Just not yet. Yeah, uh, but obviously there are several things that need to be fixed about the offensive side of things, and uh, again, I, I'm interested to see how they end up doing doing everything run game related. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the run game plays out because you're right, Ryan. They're going to struggle if – they can't if, if they're one dimensional and like we said we're going to stay off quarterbacks but if the run game can get going it'll be very very uh if, if you can get something in the run game going then it'll hopefully open up the field a little bit more for you maybe it'll push down some of the linebackers for mississippi state um because there are some things that that, that can work and these running backs are very talented and so that gives you plenty of opportunity to see what you have in that room. Like I said, uh, you know, we, we talked about it at the beginning of the season that the running back room was arguably one of the most talented rooms that Auburn had, if not the talent, most talented room that Auburn had. So you got to see what you can do. You're, you're getting back healthy in that room, so you got to kind of lean on them. I, I, I do. I think you have to lean on them to, to be successful in this game. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free. One triple eight nine Tiger Nine, and join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today. We go to that Orthopedic Clinic for the first time. Ward Dam Steve, retired Ward Dam Steve, is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Hey, you know, you can't get any better than what than the Fun Friday. Fun Friday, indeed. Uh, Mr. Camp, good to hear your voice. So uh, let's get to it, guys. Yes, sir. Uh, let's do something fun today. All right. So we're going to start out with something that caught my attention and I said this is hilarious there's going to be something called the Florida Man Games in February of this coming year in St. Augustine, Florida have you read or heard about it? I have not but I've certainly heard about the uh, the legend of Florida Man well you know about the Florida Man then right? Yeah. the usual uh, stuff that you said really that you maybe might see in the National Enquirer Florida Man fires 
uh, bombs the garage and pounds his car and hits his own vehicle. Right, uh, fight, fi- fight skater with bare hands. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Florida man tries to pay for McDonald's with weed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, these are all true. But anyway, uh, the contest apparently will take place in February in St. Augustine. And the uh, people that are organizing this uh, describe the upcoming game as the most insane athletic showdown on earth. Uh, so here's what some of the games, guys, that are going to be involved in this, okay? Uh, it says here that, uh, well, actually there's a mission, the price of $45, and there will be uh, referees uh, who include two former stars of the 90s TV show American Gladiators. Okay. Uh, so there you go with that. All right. So here's some of the, 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 the events, guys. Uh, what is called the Evading Arrest Obstacle Course. Okay. In which contestants jump over fences and through yards while being chased, hold on, by real police officers. Excellent. Okay. Okay, that ought to be. Uh, I don't know if police officers are off duty or they're going to be paid. Uh, anyway, uh, another category is called the cash grab, in which participants, and I've seen this before in other shows, probably grab as much money as they can in a wind blowing booth. Yep. Yep. And then there's the uh, self explanatory beer belly wrestling okay okay so uh, there there you have it i thought we saw something fun there and uh the one i the, still uh, think they should fight a live animal at some point but uh, that could be a health yeah. risk yeah yeah okay yeah anyway um he said it's to celebrate the florida man life i guess you i never heard of the florida man so you were aware of it yeah for oh yeah no that's a no, that's just a famous headline because i mean Florida man gets into all, all kinds of things, yeah. Okay, all right. So enough with that. Now, you guys, I've heard your comments about running and all that. So let's go to the man uh, who's a better stat person than uh, I could ever hope to be. And this comes from Mr. Stat Tiger. And looking at all the uh, stats and deep analytics, here's what he says, guys, for today. He says, quote, no doubt the pass offense needs to be better. But I don't see much improvement this year. Ouch. Uh, the pass offense is not even good enough to complement the running, much less to carry the offense. This is why I believe, he says, the running game will play heavily during the next three games. If Auburn cannot run well these next three games, they have virtually no chance of winning. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, mm, Vandy... I, it's still bad enough to where that could be just a chaotically bad game. But, yeah, I mean, if, if Auburn does not run successfully against Mississippi State and Arkansas in particular, then it's just hard to find them scoring points if, if they don't run well. Even even these games that they have run a little bit less effectively than we've preferred, they've still usually had their touchdowns be rushing touchdowns and their bigger plays be rushes and that sort of thing. So, if they don't run well, if they're at three yards a carry even against Mississippi State or something like that tomorrow, there's not a good chance they win. Yeah, well, he goes on to say that these next three games, he says, are against, this is his words, sputtering offensive teams. Sure. Which places, he says, more emphasis on the team that can run the ball the best. Yeah, I mean, again, especially if Rodgers is not in there for Mississippi State. I mean, if Rodgers is in there, then they've, They've got a competent passing attack, but without him, they don't. Vandy, again, as a team, uh, they they put up some points at times this year, but, again, it's 
Uh, it, it's too simple to say, but it, it is Vanderbilt. And then Arkansas has just been uh, ungodly. And, and Rocket Sanders has been hurt for them, their top running back for a while. But KJ Jefferson has not looked good in that system. We'll see if their dynamic changes because they did fire their offensive coordinator this week. But, uh, again, they, they have been incredibly disappointing too. And Ryan, speaking uh, about Arkansas, you know, during Tuberville's tenure, uh, I don't know what it was about then, but I was always so anxiety-ridden because we would struggle with Arkansas. In fact, uh, who was that uh, running back that somebody says they're still running somewhere on, on all this campus that just torched us uh, for Arkansas? What was his name? Uh, well, it depends on what year. I mean, I know that their best it team. Was under and we was at home. Probably we Darren McFadden. Yeah, 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 it was him. Yeah, Darren McFadden uh, was, was really, really I, I mean, he was really good. Was. What was it about Arkansas? We struggled like heck against that team, no matter how bad they were. So I, I'm hoping this year, you know, Mississippi State was able to beat them seven to three. Surely, surely we can do that. I mean, Auburn can, but again, they need to start by beating Mississippi State at home. Again, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, uh, moving on, guys, into the world of sports. Uh, this one uh, was a bit of a uh, interesting and caught my attention uh, from uh, the sports world. NHL, it comes from uh, Bleacher Report. The Senators, NHL, Shane Pinto, never heard of him. He's been suspended for 41 games, guys, for what? Uh, betting. 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 Yep. So you know about him. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read the story, but I certainly saw the headline. Yeah. And, you know, when I used to bet, I did it for some fun and say, yeah, it'd be nice to win some extra money. But then I saw, and I read on down, what, what was he doing betting at all? This it says a twenty-two year old's three-year, three point nine seven million dollar entry level contract. Right? Are you kidding me? What are you doing? Now he didn't bet on NHL, but apparently uh, the NHL gambling policy says you can't bet in anywhere, uh, not even uh, if it's uh, outside the NHL. So uh, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me, more guys. Why are these people uh, knowing it's a violation? Why do they go ahead and do it? Yeah, no, I, I, it's hard to defend stuff like that. I mean, they, I, I know some people can really get excited about fantasy leagues and that sort of thing, but you know, bet, betting on on these games and again, he, and I, I suppose it's fathomable that since he is a rookie or a young guy, that he uh, glossed over the fact that it didn't matter if it was NHL or not, that it was um, still impermissible. But I, I, I think that still. It's it's got to be just kind of a hobby, kind of a oh I'll just lay a few down on this game and you know a way of caring about these other games that you normally wouldn't care about. But I, I, again, I, I wouldn't jeopardize any. I would. It's not worth it. It's just it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. And I don't even know what he bet on or how much money. But regardless, you're told that I'm sure he has to be told just like the NFL tells even at the beginning. You know, oh if his rookie's entry. Yeah, these are the things that you cannot do. These are the commandments, right? Right, and and sir, so yeah, he does this intentionally. Uh, well, you know, come on, even is not bliss here. Yeah, again, no, I, again, it, it's for such a trivially small thing. Uh, it, there's a lot on the line for it, and I, again, I, I, if I was in, I, I would not be putting myself in that position. All right, let's go on to more egregious issues. I just saw this breach report. I should stay away from them, but they sent me an email. The FBI, according to Timothy Rapp, the reporter here, has joined computer crimes investigation of former Michigan 
offensive coordinator, Matt Weiss, several months ago. Will you wear that? Yes. Yeah, the latest on the Michigan, yeah. What is that about? Because they didn't go to detail what kind of uh, investigation of uh, computer crimes are they talking about, though, Ryan? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not... I'm not really sure 100 percent on on why the FBI needs to be involved. I, I just know that they are, but I, I it, it depends if it just if if it jeopardizes the entirety of the sport. I, I don't I don't know. I I, I I'd, I'd love to hear more on that part of it. So the Beach Report didn't say exactly what that involved, and then part of this report, of course, this talks about the the, the tickets. This guy Stallions has they purchased. Yep. Tickets to games at 12 of 13 possible Big Ten schools in 2021-2022 in SEC title game schools. And games in four campus stadiums that was tied to the college playoff contenders last season. He left a paper trail. This is why the SEC shorts, they, they made a whole fun of this. Of at least 35 games at 17 stadiums, according to the country, according to sources. How stupid could one be? You know, this is what I call dumb crook news, right? Yeah, I mean, again, it's just arrogance. It's just the belief that you're not going to be caught or found out. I mean, that that's 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 really what it is. And uh, I think that was running. Uh, that certainly seems like that's been Harbaugh's mentality, and uh, it certainly was their mentality in this scandal. And yet, no action has been taken uh, against Michigan at this point whatsoever. Do you think they're going to escape with a slap on the hand? No, 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 they won't. Uh, as with anything, I'll tell you that the NCAA will move at a snail's pace. They always do, um, but but there will uh, there will be serious penalties. I, I I'm not always confident about things with the NCAA, other than their ineptitude. But I think that this time, because of the second time they're investigating Michigan, because of the wide range scale that this is in their conference, this is for other games. It was so blatant. Uh, they might have even gotten another team or two involved. Uh, they, they they absolutely will, will be hammered. They will be hammered. It just might not come until next year. Yeah, I was wondering. So if they were somehow magically win the national championship, does it get taken away It could from get them? vacated. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I could see that happening. Yep. Okay. Because it, right. it's, it, it's, it's penalties that occurred not only last year and the year before, but this year as well. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on, guys. Uh, prediction times from people – uh, who I guess go ahead and make these predictions. One comes from Greg McElroy. Have you seen his uh, take? He's revealed his list of top five. He says upsets for this week. I have not have you seen his picks. Uh, his top five upset picks are Kansas, like Oklahoma. Uh, who's playing Maryland? Is it uh, in you? Who's in you? Northwestern. Okay, is it Northwestern? Anyway, uh, then the Bearcats. Uh, over Oklahoma State, um, Cal over USC. Wow, that'd really be an upset. And Stanford over Washington, another, another big upset. Yeah, Northwestern. Yeah, okay. What do you guys think about those upset picks? Yeah, again, I mean, not all of them will happen. I mean, I, when you're making yeah. upset picks, I mean, you're they're kind of inherently. I mean, which ones do you, you get credit? Really? Yeah, they do have a pretty good chance. I uh, I would say I would have said Kansas if Jalen Daniels had come back, Agreed. but it's still going to be Josh Bean. So I don't think that they have a great chance. Northwestern's playing uh, who again? Uh, Northwestern is playing uh, Maryland. Maryland. 
Uh, I mean, Maryland's also Maryland's not ranked, so right. I'm not sure that I care. Um, uh, so, I mean, Northwestern's not good. Maryland is better than them. but it, it, So it would be an upset in that respect, but it's just not, not a big national deal. Uh, I don't think that you uh, – Man, if USC loses the Cal and they've lost three, and that would be three in a that row for them. That would be major, major. Yeah. Because, I mean, we beat Cal. That that would end uh, USC's season for sure. I mean, they're, they're, they're already not going to make the playoff, but I'm saying they still only have one conference loss. They could still make the Pac-12 title game if they got their act together. But uh, if they lost the Cal, that would be that would be a whole nother level for them. Because Utah's a good team. Notre Dame's a good team. They've lost to two good teams, but Cal's not very good. And let's go to uh, – you know, I want to complain, okay? Um, but, you know, I don't make very much money in retirement. But this guy makes too damn much money to be whining and complaining and won too damn many national championships. Uh, do you get ready what I'm getting ready to talk about? I'm not 100% sure. Half-mile sports from Joe Vitale. Is that his name? I believe B-I-T-L-E. so. Okay. Caught my attention, so I read it. Nick Saban urges college football playoff committee to change approach. I said, what does he want to change? What's he wanting about? Well, quote, he said on the Pat McAfee show uh, on Thursday, he said the following, I felt like last year, I said this probably before, we were probably one of the best four teams in the country. But because we lost two games on the last play of the game, we never got the playoffs. Really? And then he says the following, I think the committee should put more emphasis on strength of schedule, who you play, I mean, top 20 teams you played, whatever it might be, so you get the best teams in the game. Okay. Guys, your thoughts, comments on that? I call it whining. Yeah, I mean, obviously there there's a level of complaint there, but I, I think that what would you have him say uh, otherwise? What would you – Not say anything uh, at all. Well – He won how many national championships, man. And by the way, you haven't played near the damn toughest schedule that all of us contend with every damn year. Sure. Uh, but, again, I, I I certainly think that teams that just miss out in the playoffs are going to, from time to time, be complaining about it. And, again, I, I again I agreed with them not being in, that, that you lost twice, even though it was really close. Uh, but at the same time, like, you do have the right to feel like, yeah, they if they play TCU, I still love Alabama's chances against TCU, especially given what Georgia ends up happening to them. Now, the resume is the resume, and – Obviously, I, again, I still agree with the decision, and TCU did beat Michigan, so they did validate it to some degree. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I, obviously it's whining and complaining, but, again, I I understand, I think other coaches in the same shoes would, would probably do the same thing. Well, the point that I, I'll try, you know, uh, you lost two games, and why are you mentioning and focusing on because we lost two games on the last play of the game? I don't care where you lost it. You lost a damn game. Right. I I think this, the simple point is that uh, while obviously, yes, they did lose, which is the most important thing. Why it you is, stop them? It Why is, stop a, them it is a road game, and we know home field and road matters, and uh, how you lose games does matter for committees too. I mean, that that can be a thing as well. So, uh, again, that that is two, two games that could have gone either way for sure. Yeah, okay, real quickly, guys. I just saw this. That apparently, finally, university has decided. Auburn has decided to uh, recognize three additional national championships. Finally, I Have saw you that. Seen that. I did see okay, that. Okay, ninety three, eighty three, and nineteen thirteen. But then I said, "Wait a minute, guys! What the crap? What about two thousand and four? Yeah. So Why did they leave them out. 
So okay, well, so there's a there's a site, the National College Football Foundation, I believe, that had already recognized Auburn as co-champions for the three years in which they claimed, and so I think that was more Auburn kind of catching up with what one uh, foundation already believed happened anyway. With 04, obviously, you have the deal where it was. Uh, you know, given back away from USC and that sort of thing, vacated and that sort of thing. So I understand why people say that about 04. And obviously there's always going to be the gripe that Auburn should have been in that game and they should have. But uh, it's a little harder for me when you have a title game that you deem the title game and USC does win that, that to say, oh, just because Reggie Bush was ineligible because of things that would now be legal, that all of a sudden someone else should claim the title for uh, again, I'm not I'm not exactly trying to burn down the fences saying that, oh, yeah, the real national champion of 04 is Auburn. I don't really feel that way. Okay, fair enough. I just know that there were some other publications that did recognize Auburn as being the 2004 national championship. Sure. Uh, winner. Okay, and then... Last thing for us, Steve, and we get up against our break. It. This is it, guys. In 2004, what did the Red Sox do? I came down from 3-0 to beat the Yankees in the ALCS. They first since win 1918. Yep. Uh, they they finally vanquished the curse of the Bambino. All right, so guys, I don't have a a, a, a dog in the hunt. I know you guys haven't either. Uh, but the Vegas odds makers are saying that apparently the Rangers are the heavy favorites to win it all. You agree? Disagree? Again, I can see them being favorites. I would caution against anyone yeah. being heavy favorites. I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know about the heavy part of it. Yeah, this this juncture, given what we've seen in the postseason, I don't think, know if there's any heavy favorites that exist. And both pitchers have faced each other before during regular season? I'm not familiar with the game. I don't know the game one stars off the top of my head, but it's it's possible. I mean, everyone plays everybody now. Okay. Guys, are you guys going to the game tomorrow? Uh, yes, we uh, or Cam's not. I'm sorry. I well, I'll be enjoying in a fan capacity. Uh, I'll be tailgating, but I won't be like working. Brooks and I will be in the press box. Yeah. Okay, so you have the the freedom uh, and and hopefully the anonymity to be yelling for me. Get his ass right. Yeah, I will not be yelling that. No, uh, I, I do. Press box. Cam, yeah, I Cam, do. Cam, I do. Yeah, yeah I can Cam, do that. Cam. I got you, Steve. Please, Cam, do me a favor, please. You know, if you need to, just feel free to do it for me. Yeah. They don't listen to me on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> I got you, Steve. All right, guys. Have a safe afternoon and weekend, and uh, hopefully we'll come back with a win by Monday. Hi, right, guys. Until next Monday, War Damn Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that War phone Eagle, call. Steve. That is retired War Damn Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time here for hour number one, but stay tuned. In hour number two, we'll get to some of the other matchups across the Southeastern Conference, more on Auburn, Mississippi State, and more on the college football world at large. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. 
It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two starting right now of Sports Call on Soccer 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Thursday, getting you set for Auburn, Mississippi State tomorrow and all the things happening in the college football world. We want to say thank you to our good friend Die Hard Die for stopping by during the break there, yes, dropping sir. off a couple goodies and oh, yeah. saying hello. Always good to talk to him. And now we go to the orthopedic clinic phone line to start hour number two, and we welcome on to the show. Die Hard Die. Die Hard Die is with us. Die Hard Die again. We appreciate you for stopping by and uh, uh, glad to be talking to you here today. Yeah, where you go? I, I wish I could do more. Ooh, um, there's feedback. How's the sun on your end? Uh, uh, no, you're good. Yeah, we, you're it's good, good on, on yeah, we're here. good over here. Good. Well, let me make this quick. Uh, my kid's waking up, but um, you guys are around, Coach. I don't know if you guys go to Thursdays dinners with them. Um, but is anyone asking him why they're uh, trading out the quarterbacks like they are? It's obviously not working. I, you know, I played college football and I played rugby for Auburn. And um, I mean, if you took me out and put me back in, I would. That's that's just horrible. You don't get. You got to get in the zone. You got to get adrenaline. You got. I mean, there's so many reasons. Everyone knows this stuff, and you know, I, I'm still upset we fired Gus. So I definitely don't want to talk about firing Freeze or anything stupid like that. But if we don't win tomorrow, I'm going to be very upset. I mean, he, he's not who we thought he was. Um, again, I know he's bringing in a team. I, I get it. But my point is. When my wife or my 10-year-old girl, daughter, can call out better plays than the coach, I know there's something wrong. And that's what I loved about Cadillac last year. He did stuff that made sense. It made sense, and it worked, and we won. So my thing is, I mean, of course don't fire freeze. It's going to get better. Like you say, this is the worst team he has. But let Cadillac run the rest of these games so we can win some because they're doing stupid stuff. They're overthinking. They're getting down there, switching people out, doing runs when they should pass, pass when they should run. So, again, you guys are closer to coach than I am. Are people asking these questions? I know it's Montgomery, um, but what, what are the answers on this? Because it's obviously not working, and I hate when my wife's smarter than our head coach because the pay difference is not the same. All right, Oregon. <laughs> Oregon, appreciate that phone call. Jurassic uh, pay difference, yeah, that, right? That, that is diehard die joining us on the with Pete Clinic phone line. Uh, yeah, no, we're in some of those press conferences oh, for sure. Uh, we, we listen to what Freeze has to say, and – uh, we we get access to him after each and every game there in the uh, the post game presser and that sort of thing. Yeah, no, there are being uh, questions Absolutely. being asked of him there on the quarterback. Now, when he's on the Auburn Sports Network and he's he's on air, you know th- those guys are not going to necessarily hit him um, d- as hard as you would be hitting in the in those Monday pressers that are welcome to all the media and again uh, in, in in some of those post game pressers. I, I think that as he's been asked about it. He has continued to 
Uh, and look, I, I'm let me preface this too. I'm just giving you his point of view. I again, I wholeheartedly agree that they need to stick with one quarterback at least for a half, and not a whole yeah, game here, and, and and try to figure it out with one guy. So again, we're we're on the same page there. Uh, I think his point of view is that these two guys are different, and that neither one has necessarily excelled enough in the thing that they are different in enough to justify the whole offense being run. I I don't think that. They to this point, and you can say they should have. That's fair criticism. But to this point, I don't think they've, they've gotten Robbie Ashford involved in the full game plan. That they maintained one to two packages with him and not opened up the whole offense with him. And then I think with Peyton Thorne, they still feel that he is the better passing option. And I think to some degree, let's just look at how defenses play Auburn. I think when he's in the game, they do respect the they, pass they a little bit more. Yeah, they do. Um, and, and so there is some truth to that, although the production has continued to not be there. So, again, I think that they are – again, I, I don't agree with them. Uh, I, I think that they are thinking that these two quarterbacks are pretty different. They're obviously not good enough to run the whole thing in their in their vantage point, and that they're trying to pick and choose their spots to get both strengths showcased. Obviously, it has not worked to this point, and I would not recommend continuing on with that way. But I think that that's their viewpoint. They they certainly have been asked about it and, and needed to answer for it because it has been uh, there's been a couple games where they've been a little bit more. Uh, disciplined with their approach. There's been a couple games, mainly in my mind, the Cal game early and then this recent game with Ole Miss where they've been really comical with, yeah. with how they have rotated the quarterbacks. And it's certainly uh, – it is hard enough to make it justifiable for two quarterbacks to play, period, even when you have a very disciplined approach to it. Uh, it is very hard to justify an undisciplined untimely approach uh and, and it has clearly not worked so far yeah just very clearly has not worked at all um you know i'm not too close to the to going to the cadillac style of play calling um like he did in those last four games honestly uh, i feel like i mean at least the run game was highly successful right we can you know even though the passing game wasn't necessarily there we can definitely deduce that the the rushing yards per game was was definitely up there uh you know i i think that I think Will Friend was calling the plays. We're not 100% sure. I think he'd, he'd moved to the offensive coordinator role. Um, but, again, you know, it was definitely leaning more on the run game, which we knew because Auburn just didn't have the ability to pass. So you're, you're getting there. And at least if you're one-dimensional, I mean, that one dimension is at least dominant in that sense. Uh, so you could, you could try to move the ball that way and see how things go forward. Uh, you won't have, you know, you won't have a lot of success against the likes of Bama, but – in these next three games, you still three, four games, you you could be successful and that could get you two seven wins, which gets you a bowl game, which gets you everything that you want in, in a year one, a successful year one under Hugh Freeze. You're getting back to bowl eligibility. You get you get seven wins. Uh, you finish the season seven and five. I think that's a relatively successful season given what the roster has provided and, and what you have. And then next year you uh, you bring in a, hopefully a quarterback that can pass a little bit better um, and, and open up the offense for you more. So I'm not too close to that. I don't think Tim Montgomery is going to return as the offensive coordinator. Phil Montgomery. This, or, yep. Excuse me, Philip Montgomery. Yep. Excuse me. Um, I don't think Philip Montgomery is going to, to return uh, as, as the uh, o- uh, offensive coordinator um, of – 
for Auburn. I just don't see it working. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's worked at all. It doesn't really seem like they're on the same page um, either. So uh, I'm I'm not sure if they're if, if that marriage is gonna stay. Um, and so you wonder how moving forward that could go. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm I I wouldn't be too opposed to to just going into a run heavy. Uh, scheme and and seeing how things work out from there yeah again that's and that's been my preference for a week or two as well but again i acknowledge that if you've got astrid in there yeah and the defense feels run is coming and the way auburn's execute the run this year it's going to be hit or miss too like it's not going to open up a floodgate of trey mason nick marshall running days back in 13 so i i think that it obviously has been a conundrum but it's a conundrum that they've not handled as well as they could have. They've not made the best out of a, a bad situation. And and look, here's one thing, and this may not be solace for many people. It's solace for me in year one that's obviously been optically poor offensively is that this pro- the biggest problem with what the coaching decision has been, and look, there's some other problems, right? I mean, they're, they're, the play calling has not been in general good, but I think that everyone would agree the biggest um, problem the, the the biggest thing that Hugh Freeze and company have done wrong in year one is the changing of the quarterbacks mid-series, mid-drive, mid-game, etc. What I find solace in is that is not a problem that would exist if you have a competent quarterback. Fair. And if you don't ever find a competent quarterback, you will never find much success. So in other words, if Walker White comes in here next year and he ends up being really good and he lives up to being a top 10 quarterback in the class – then you won't be rotating quarterbacks. You won't Absolutely be stuck not. in that. That's not a dis- that's not a problem you could even run into because you will have a quarterback that can complete the offense and you won't feel the need to ever change the situation. So if you ever find a truly good quarterback, this rotating stuff is not even on the table and therefore it's not something that they could end up doing poorly. However, if you never find a truly good quarterback, a truly top half of the SEC quarterback, then you will be tempted to run the what they've done this year. However, I'll tell you, if you never find a top six, seven quarterback in the league, you're never going to win in this league. Nope. And you're not going to have enough success anyway. So it doesn't really matter how you piece together a run game or, or piece together the team in which they're trying to piece it together this year. You will. Uh, Hugh Freeze is an offensive coach. If he never finds the right people or does not develop the right people for his offense, he won't succeed no matter who he rotates in and 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 how his rotations go or as trivial as they may be. So, again, I know that's not necessarily a lot. I mean, they will ultimately have to find the guy, but it's not like you go back to his Ole Miss time. It's not like, ooh, Bo Wallace, let me find the backup, though. Or, ooh, Chad Kelly, let me find their number two guy so we can run him yeah. ten times a game. Like That's not how he would handle it if he has – a worthwhile quarterback that can run the complete offense. So, again, as huge of a um, malpractice as that has been, it's not really a valid one when you find the right guy. It's not really something that you would run into if that were to happen. Now, does Walker White end up becoming the right guy? I certainly hope so because if we he's all not, certainly hope so. I, if he's not, then you've, you're looking at a portal guy or you're looking at development, and uh, it's not a safe route at that point. But I would go back to uh, – I want to – let's stay on quarterbacks, obviously, because we've gotten here. We we refrained from it from hour number one. We knew we'd get into it, and this is the right, right time to get into it. But 
I was listening to Hugh Freeze's comments on Tiger Talk yesterday or and reading them, and he did talk about, and this is where we're, you know, Die Hard Die is not going to like it. I'm not necessarily going to like it. I don't think, Cam, you're going to like it. I don't think that this is what we really wanted to hear out of it. But they talked. he talked a little bit about they feel they need to pass the ball more uh, against Mississippi State, which to me – I said on I said earlier in the week that the Monday comments suggested that you could be starting to see Ashford turn the corner in terms of in the mindset of the coaches that he might be the guy they need to go with. When you hear that on Thursday night, you hear Peyton Thorne. Right. And you piece the two together and you hear both. <laughs> you hear you hear more rotating. And I just find it I find it hard to defend. Again, I I offer to you the, the the thought process that neither one is good enough at their thing to feel confident enough to give them one hundred percent of everything. But still I think everyone would rather die a different death yeah. than, than what Auburn has been doing offensively. Uh, and that's where I'm at, too. Again, I, when I tell you that my preference is Robbie Ashford to start at quarterback to play at least the full first half, if not the full game, no matter what's occurring, that is not a that is not a declaration that if you just do that one thing, Auburn will magically score 40 points. I do not feel that way at all. And I don't think Cam feels that way. I don't think any of us feel yeah, that way. Um, and even if you were to go, if you were telling me, yes, I'll give you your wish, we'll go one quarterback, but it's Peyton Thorne. I will accept that too because I think that even though that's not my preference, I think, again, I would rather see what one guy has for the majority, if not all, of the game, again, consecutively. We're not, if you go Thorne, if you tell me, no, it's going to be Peyton Thorne because you want to pass more and you still think there's a better chance of passing effectively with, with him in there, fine. I buy that because I still think he is a little better passer than Ashford. But don't give me the, oh, but when, when we get in the red zone the one or two times we do, we're going to go back to Ashford, the Ashford package. Because I think there is something to when you hear the comments that Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford had earlier in the week because they did speak yeah, they to did. the media. Yep. I think that you hear in there, and it's not trying to put, they're not trying to push the blame on the coaches. They're, they're trying to be as contained as they can with a mix of hint of truth and that sort of thing. You walk in a line, but you hear from Peyton Thorne, and it sounds to me that the kid's confidence was shaken a little bit this year and that yeah. he has tried to talk to himself about not trying to do too much and not trying to make the touchdown play and not trying to just do something that he's not got a good shot at doing. And I think that stems from looking over your shoulder. Like when you know that so-and-so is going to come in the game in the red zone yep. or if you have a bad drive, he might, the next he guy might. might start the next drive. You, you worry about you worry. what is good enough in the right. coach's vantage point to where I can stay in the game. Oh, and, and that's another that's thing. Right, man, right. Stressful. That's another thing that the coaches have not done well Can't is look. Play your game. On one hand, I get it. Even from the Cal game, they were showing a lack of faith in, in Peyton Thorne to some degree. And look, what we've seen on the field, I understand it. I understand that. However, you did bring in the guy. You did name him the starter with a few weeks left. And you have to give a little inherent trust to start a season. Yeah. And not worry about if the other guy's happy because he has his package or not. Right. You 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 have to instill confidence in your guy because 
if you get the fourth, the first guy right, if you get your starting quarterback in a good spot, you don't need a second don't guy. That's it. the whole point of this position. It's not like running back where you do kind of need a second guy to spell the first guy, yeah. and especially if he gets injured. It's not like you need th- three or four wide receivers out there right. or three or four rushing the passer guys. You, re- you just need one quarterback. And so it should have been about not instilling confidence in both or giving a bone to the second guy. It should have been about putting all your eggs into the right, basket of one. Right, and yeah. let the chips fall where they may. Especially in a season where, other than the Cal game, there's nothing that, from a year one standpoint, you have to win in the first half of year other than the Cal game. Right, because we talked about it. No one expected you to beat the number one team in the country. I think that they—that's their best game of the year against Georgia. They hung yeah, in there for sixty agreed. minutes. They had a shot at winning it. Okay, everyone can live with that in year one. In year four, no. no. I mean, you need to figure out how to yeah. beat a rival at right. that point. But in year one, you can tolerate that. Uh, you can tolerate losing to Texas A&M on the road when they've stacked eighty million five-star players in the last five or six years, and yeah. Auburn has like one. Okay, you can tolerate that. But it is about trying to, you know, find that source of confidence for the second half of the year. And also to the point I would have argued, if that first guy, if you give that confidence to him and you put that full trust in there and you give him 100% of everything at all times, he's either against that really good competition, he's either going to play well enough to where you don't even think about the second guy and you're yeah. excited about the second half of the year, right. or he's going to play so damn poorly that you're going to let the second guy try everything. Try everything. And you're like, this yep. guy can't do anything, so we're going to try the other guy. And they never really gave Thorne a fair shot, the, the a full, full fair shot. The full shot that a yeah. that a starting quarterback right. is Should warranted. Yeah. They treated this from the get-go like this was never a closed race, that it was always a race. And I know that you give lip service to some of that, like, oh, guys are still always earning their jobs and that sort of thing. But it doesn't actually play out on the field like that, not for quarterbacks, and this is why. Yeah, I, I agree. And and now, you know, both both players seem to just both they just both seem to be uncomfortable now. And you can tell that they're both getting pretty frustrated with how things are playing out because Thorne can't seem to really find a rhythm. Robbie is thrown in at certain situations, and you kind of know when that situation is going to be what he's going to be doing. Uh, and and again, with Thorne, I agree. He wasn't, ge- he, he wasn't given – the full warranted shot that a war- that a starter is supposed to get a full saying hey we're going to let you run the entire game no matter what happens he he freeze always maintained that Robbie's always going to have a package. Robbie's going to have a package, this and that. And it's like, well, yeah, I get it. You want to kind of keep him happy so that he, I guess he doesn't leave four games in the season or however that goes with the transfer portal. But you should have probably put a little bit more confidence in Peyton Thorne. Uh, Again, I know that he came in kind of late, you know, in terms of, of getting to know the playbook and things like that and really understanding the offense. But you named him your starter either way, anyway. So... You got to instill that confidence. You you have to trust that you made the right decision, right? If you're Hugh Freeze, you have to trust that you made the right decision in starting Peyton Thorne. You trust what he brings to the offense uh, as a whole and that he's going to be the one that will be able to lead you. And now it just seems like it's gotten to the point where neither quarterback can really lead you because they can't really find a rhythm or any comfort in – whether they're going to be playing the next drive or not, or how things are going to play out 
game. Uh, I mean, drive to drive in general. I mean, snap to snap even at this point, right? So you you wonder um, how that plays out and and what's going through their heads and um, if it's going to reach kind of a, a boiling point at some point where it's like, man. I mean, clearly this is something that's not working. So I wonder when Hugh Freeze is going to come to the decision of, hey, I'm going to stick with one guy and let's just ride it out through the end of the season. And at this point, like it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like that. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you can't look me in the face and convince me that, yeah, they're going for one game. They're going to keep their hands behind their backs. But let's just see And they're going to let one person for the whole game do it. And look, again, it's just give it a shot. Again, there's still – it's almost like they became a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? They yeah. did not believe in the quarterbacks entirely, and therefore the quarterbacks gave them no reason to believe in them entirely. But so Because, again, it's like, well, you look at it after the fact, and like I said, I, I don't know if anyone can go confidently tell me that if you do give 60 minutes to one of these guys, they're going to put 30 points on the board and everything's going to be okay. Like You can't no. confidently convince yourself of that. And that's what the coaches are kind of believing and maybe using it to justify the decision. But it's not about that. And again, it's it's not about uh, you know all of a sudden unlocking something that is not there to begin with. Because that's when the other problems in the team come in. Like they're they don't have enough good parts of that offense to all of a sudden be like, yeah, three hundred pass yards. Right. Peyton Thorne could play well. Here's what a good Peyton Thorne game would look like if he played the whole game. It would be like 17 to 25, 202, yeah. two touchdowns, yeah, no turnovers. Two touchdowns, no turn. Yep. Like that's what a good game would look like. Maybe a rushing touchdown. Yeah. Maybe 40 yards rushing yeah. and a key key first down or key touchdown or something. That that's what the good game, if you played the full game, would look like. It's not going to look like, oh. Michael, yeah. gaudy numbers. You know, they don't have the receivers to do that. They don't have the constant O-line protection on deep balls to do that. Uh, and so that's where those other problems come in. Same thing run game. I'll, let me give you the, the, the reverse of that. Robbie Ashford comes in, and they, they run the whole game. It's not going to be 2013 or 14 Auburn where they run 56 times for 380 yards. That's not the good game they've got this year it would be like hey you know Darquez is like 20 carries or let's say 18 carries 80 yards and Austin's like 7 for 30 and then Asher does like 16 carries for 83 you know a couple big ones but a couple losses and the team runs for like 210 or 220 like that's that's the that's the solid version of, of what this team can muster it's it does not have the huge outputs within them, but still, I think everyone. You have a two hundred yard rushing game when you try to run the ball a lot, and you have a two hundred yard passing game when you try to throw a decent amount. You would take that as opposed to look. They they're having a hundred yard passing outputs with hundred and forty rush yards, and they're yeah, you know, it's just nothing, half and half. Yeah. Nothing's really dominant. And yeah. You, you're not winning football games. So <laughs> we're on the same page. We want to see one guy, minimum for a half, not the full game. Uh, is that my projection of what will happen on Saturday? No, it's not. Uh, it is It is still not that. And that's why yep. we're looking at a very low-scoring game, and we're looking at a game yep. where defense will dominate. We're going to head to our first break here of the 4 o'clock hour. When we come back, 
a little more college football. We'll start to look at some other matchups across the country in the SEC and across the whole country. And again, coming up in a little bit too, we'll get a, uh, a brief segment in on the World Series coming up tonight. We'll break up the college football for just a few minutes uh, with uh, thankfully not Astros Philly talk, but uh, some Rangers and D-backs talk. All that's ahead here on the Friday edition of Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday, about halfway through the Friday edition of the program. We've been talking all things Auburn, Mississippi State, quarterback conundrum, running backs, additional health for Auburn's defense, all the good stuff here on the show today. If you e- ever miss any of it, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola available wherever you may get your podcast all right before we get into some sec games and storylines want to get five or ten minutes to the world series because it does start tonight and it is way more palatable for us uh than yeah, it would I have been stomach this otherwise yeah, it is sure. the texas rangers arizona dimebacks rangers have never won the world series they got very close about 11 or 12 years ago against the Cardinals. I don't know if people for readily remember this, but it was making the rounds on social media today. Reminder, the Rangers were one strike away from winning the World Series when they played the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm. Uh, and that's when the huge David Freeze game. And Freeze hits a two-run double or triple to tie it. Uh, and it goes just past the – I think it was Nelly Cruz. I couldn't tell who it was in right field. But it goes just past his glove. Uh, hits the wall, two-run double, and then Freeze wins in the 11th, and then they win game seven. That's, That's how close the Rangers were to winning a World Series. So they've That's never tough. won it. Diamondbacks won it around the turn of the century. So they have won it before, beat the Yankees. Right. And so – but still not necessarily a franchise that's synonymous with, with great Winning, success. Yeah, they've yeah. really not had a lot of great years since then, honestly. Nope. Uh, and they won 84 games this year. Normally, that's not the Mark World Series team. Nope. But you can ask the 88-win Braves from two years ago yep. that you don't have to have a 9 or a 1 in front of your name. So, what do you think of this series, Cam? Rangers, Diamondbacks, two Western teams. No no games east of the Mississippi. I uh, think that's cool. Yeah. I think that's cool. I think it's different. I like to see I – lo- I, I like to see different teams in it. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Braves in it every single yes. year. Please. Totally yeah. cool with that. Yeah. But 
if it can't be the Braves. I like seeing different teams in it outside of the division rivals, of course. Um, I, I, uh, I've i actually started to really like take a liking to both of these teams just in terms of how they kind of have, have gone about themselves and, and how they moved. And I also have become a big fan of just <laughs> – it's kind of like a little nerdy thing, but jerseys, they're jerseys. I love the Rangers jerseys. Really like the the Diamondbacks rebrand that they've gone through with their uh, jerseys and how they do the black and the red. I just think that's really clean. Um, and, and I was like, man, you know, if I could think about, I could, I could legit get a, a Rangers jersey, like a, a Rangers jersey with their white with the with their lettering, everything clean. I just love the way it looks. Um, and and different things like that, um, but uh, I think it'll be an interesting series. Um, I do think I I do think it could go six, maybe seven games. Um, I I think that the the Rangers. I think I said this earlier in the week. I think the Rangers have better bats overall, and I think Arizona has to keep it a low scoring game if they really want to stand much of a chance. Um, just because their offense isn't as explosive, but. Uh, overall, I um, again, I just think this is going to be a fun, interesting series. Two different teams that, again, like you said, Rangers haven't won a World Series. Diamondbacks haven't won since the early 2000s. Um, so not a lot of success from either of these franchises. So somebody's going to get a chance to win a World Series maybe for the first time or the first time in a long, long time. And I can appreciate that. That's kind of the just uh, overall the beauty of sports that you love to see. Absolutely, and of course, these are not teams we thought at really any point in the year. I, I say e- even the Rangers w- were having some moments there in the AL West, but right. I always thought more of the Astros just because they're postseason acumen. Yep. The craziness in the path to get here, too, and this is what makes it so hard to predict for me. And, and look, baseball in general, I just find it hard to predict when you're talking about Very. three and four and five game scenarios, is the Rangers – did not, in their series with Astros, did not lose on the road, did not win at home. 8-0 and on the road. That's unprecedented. Yeah. That's unprecedented. I mean, that, that series, seven-game series, Astros and Rangers, the home team did not win. So if you think That's home crazy. field matters, it, it not always. And then the Diamondbacks, who that series was looking pretty normal, for the first five the home team won, with the Phillies winning a very big game five on the road. All of a sudden, they go to Philly, who, and for my money, had been the most intimidating place to play in the postseason, and they win two in a row. And so even in that series, the home team still ultimately only went four and three while losing the two most important games at the end. So these teams don't care. They, they, they're not necessarily heightened by their home crowd, and nope. they don't care about the other team's home yeah. crowd. These teams were not the best teams in Major League Baseball this year. For the Rangers, I think the lineup is a little deeper I like the Seager, Simeon, Adolis Garcia dynamic. Mitch Garver had a good uh, series this past series. I like that a little bit more than Dimex, but hey, Cattell Marte, uh, I believe, is approaching or got the the hit streak. Oh, really? The longest hit streak in the postseason. Cool. He's either he either has gotten there or he's just short of it. But so he's had incredibly long hit streak. He's been really good. Corbin Carroll, Carroll the rookie. Yeah. Has been awesome. And another rookie on the other side for the Rangers, Evan Carter. Sure. Killing it. I remember uh, JJ's high on him. But, but, I mean, Carroll's been really good. Also, cool storyline for Arizona. This could be it. And if I were him, this probably would be it. 
in 2008, Evan Longoria, as oh, a rookie, yeah. played for the Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series. And now, 2023, he is the DH for the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have made the World Series. So potentially bookending Bless. his yeah. career right. uh, in the World Series was a cool, cool little storyline. But again, I, I don't have a great feel for who no. win. I think that Texas is probably the wise team to be slightly favored, if for no other reason, just because they had a few more wins in the regular season. I agree. And they, again, I just said it doesn't matter, but if you still believe in home field, I mean, they are the team that gets four home games out of seven. But again, I, it, it is tough for me to call. I will be watching it. I would not have watched, even though, even though I'm probably the minority here because I think people at large, not in this area, but at large would have rather seen Phillies and Astros from the names. I wouldn't have watched. Uh, I would not have watched that because I can't stand either team. Me either. Now I will watch some of this, I'll even though it's not. I'll be interested. Sure. Yeah. Even though it's not necessarily like, ooh, it's Kershaw pitching to Trout or something. Although that can never happen because Trout's always on the Angels and they never make the playoffs. But but anyway, even though it's not necessarily the the biggest of names, I think baseball people understand still a lot of good players here and. Obviously, the World Series a little bit different vibe this year as the Astros or Dodgers not here for the first time in seven years. Uh, seven straight years the Dodgers or the Astros had participated. So I think those that had gotten tired of those two will, will have a nice reprieve here this year uh, with the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. Again, starting tonight, they'll have played two by the next time we talk on the air. We're going to take our final time out here of the 4 o'clock hour. When we come back, back to college football, Talk some SEC storylines in action as we get set for a couple rivalry games, or at least one big rivalry game in the SEC this weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. A few minutes left here in hour number two. We'll go ahead and get in to some of the SEC action this weekend, some of the storylines. And let's go ahead and talk about the main one, and that is the Florida-Georgia game, uh, the world's largest yep. outdoor cocktail party taking place in Jacksonville. It's a party. It's a party. <laughs> from, from a record standpoint, this would appear like it would be a bigger game than it is. Usually a 5-2 and two Florida team is not unranked. However, still the sentiment of it is that they're just a, a, a ticking time bomb of losses, uh, which could be going off here this week with Georgia. I think that Florida's got a lot of losable games left, to be honest with you. Um only losses on the year, though, to Kentucky and to Utah. Obviously, Utah's a good football team. Kentucky, that's 
we'll see how that ages. But Georgia's still pretty heavily favored. They're favored by 14 in this one. No Brock Bowers. Not necessarily out for the year, but out for at least a few games here. Uh, at least for next couple. So, are you? I mean, if you're Georgia, when does the worry factor with not having Bauer set in? Do you already worry about it this week? Do you worry about it not until the Ole Miss game? Do you even worry about it then because you're at home? Like, when, when does when when does that start to feel troublesome to you? I mean, I would worry about it this week. <clears throat> I know Georgia's heavily favored. They're 14 point favorite. I I know, you know, they're. Uh, they're dominant on both sides of the ball, whatever, whatever, how things play out. But this Florida team is not that bad. I know that you're expecting them to have a lot of losses going down the line, but they're not that awful That the way that I feel like they've been portrayed. Graham Mertz is quietly putting together a very good season. Um, you know, we, we I guess we kind of – based a lot of things off that first game against Utah, and we were like, well, yeah, that's just kind of how Florida's going to be this year. And it really hasn't been the case. They beat they beat Tennessee at home, um, and, you know, they, they do have the two losses, uh, and they did have the, the kind of ugly loss at Kentucky. That was a rough one. They got ran all over by Ray Davis. Uh, and so with the defense, that's kind of something that's a little bit concerning. Um but again, overall, they're a relatively solid football team. And, and um, when they're at home, and I know this plays to a lot of college teams, but when they're at home, they they are a, a pretty solid, really good football team. Um, you know, you go to South Carolina, you get that win. That's uh, I think that's a tough place to play up in Columbia. Um, and then you dominate Vanderbilt. Uh, that, that win against Tennessee right now is your staple win. Uh, I don't remember if Tennessee was ranked at that point. I'm pretty sure that they were. I, I don't. Uh, I think they've maintained being ranked. Uh, and I know Tennessee's at 21 right now. So uh, again, that's a good win if you're Florida and, and you're Billy Napier. Uh, I think this will be a closer game than a lot of people are expecting. I don't really expect it to be a blowout. Uh, you know, it'll obviously be a 50-50 split in terms of fans, just because that's how they map it out uh, at the Florida Georgia game. But I think this could be a good one. I think you do, if you're Georgia, I think now you do kind of start to worry about not having Brock Bowers uh, because he's a security blanket for the entire offense, if we're being 100% honest. He is, if you don't have anywhere that you can go, you know you can go to Brock Bowers every time because he's going to catch the ball. He's going to be open. Um, He's, you know, the best tight end in the country, all of that, everything. Um, and I mean, one of the best receivers in the country period, you know, so not having him is definitely going to be a concern for going against this Florida team that, um, seems to be better and kind of slept on, uh, more than a lot of people seem, uh, so, or, are slept on, uh, overall in general. So I think that, uh, this could be a pretty, this could be a decent game. I still think Georgia's going to win. I just think they're overall they are the more talented team, but I do think that not having Brock Bowers will start to become a, a concern in this game. Yeah, Georgia's next stretch now. I think some people started to overdo it. I saw Chris Doring said this is the toughest four game st- stretch I've seen. Come on, man! And it was like, well, Auburn and Arkansas yeah. literally played tougher four game yeah. stretches this literally. year. But okay, uh, but but Georgia does have a real stretch now. I mean, they 
This, this game, again, I, I'm going to tell you why I'm still skeptical and forward in a second. But they do host Missouri, which is sneakily very important yeah, to the East. Missouri's dude, still in it. Missouri is um, 16, man. They, they, host, <laughs> they host Ole Miss, who obviously is really good, and they're at Tennessee, who uh, needs to needs to get it going. But that is three ranked teams in a row there. Two of them are in Athens. So it's definitely a real stretch. I'm not saying it's not, and, and it was not projected to be that way. But, but again, Missouri has added some teeth to it. Yeah. But, again, I, I you know, Let's not completely overdo that. The Florida part for me is this. They're 5-2 and two now, and you can look at them like, okay, this team could almost be ranked or that sort of thing. I'm still I'm still in projection mode with them, I, and I know... That's not fair. I, I, see, I, I, I know that you're going to fight me on that, but they still have Florida State at LSU and at Missouri. So right. if they lose those games and they lose this game, they finish six and six. And in hindsight, am I going to be like, oh yeah, look at Florida, right? They got it going on now. They're six and six. Yeah. And and I understand that those are some good teams, but it's also Florida, and Florida's not ever going to be impressed by going six and six, no, no matter to who. They're not. Like again, like and they, and this is year two. So like, if Auburn next year goes six and six, we're not all going to be like. Oh right. yeah, yeah for sure. We're gonna be like, oh, right. you know. I mean, you might be able to excuse some things within the six and six, but ultimately, you're gonna be like, you know what? This ain't going in the great direction. Yeah. And so I get that it is not as bad as it could be, and I'm still, again, I'm still projecting ahead with them. But also, that's just how their schedule works out. Like they've already gotten to play Vandy. Like you are gonna beat Vandy no matter what part of the year. South Carolina's having a very disappointing year. They're probably not gonna go to a bowl game, it looks like. So really the real thing about them is the Tennessee part. Like that's the that's the solid part. Uh, but also Tennessee has some issues to work through and hopefully they don't start to go towards a seven and five team this year. Um, so again, it's just to this point, what have you done? You've done one quality win with Tennessee. Everything else was kind of thought you could do that, especially now that South Carolina's had a bad year. Right. South Carolina was good. South Carolina's lose that game. It was a two-point game at home. Yeah. Um, so I'm just simply saying that right now you perceive it as something that could be big. But unless Florida beats one of those ranked teams to get 7-5, or I mean loses like three-point games yeah. to all of them, right. then they're still a 6-6 six and six team, and it's still – not even close to what Florida's going to be expecting, and Napier's going to be one year away from getting canned. And we are out of time for this hour, so I can't talk about the Georgia bit of it. We'll get back to the game a little bit in hour number three and talk about Georgia's perspective again uh, with Carson Beck in there uh, as they, again, do get ready for a a real stretch of of, of some difficult games coming up. Uh, But, again, that's the big one in the SEC. That is the 2.30 CBS game. Georgia and Florida will hit on that a little bit more in hour number three, as well as the other SEC matchups, as well as the one or two matchups we'll look out for across the country. Also, final thoughts on Auburn and Mississippi State as they get set for their 2.30 kick inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday. Stay tuned. More sports call coming up after the break. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. 
You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. Uh, another beautiful day on the Plains today. Looking forward for another beautiful day tomorrow when Auburn takes on Mississippi State. Let's continue our rundown of some of the SEC games, and we'll get back to Auburn-Mississippi State as well as a couple games across the country in a few moments. But again, final thoughts on the uh, the Georgia-Florida game. I was just going to add on Georgia's side of things. You know, with Carson back, I, I feel that people have maybe not valued him enough this year. He's been playing pretty well. I, I think they probably just laid it a little bit more on, oh, Bowers is really awesome. Um, but Beck is at a near 74% passer uh, this year. He's at 2,100 yards in seven games, so he's averaging 300 yards a game. Uh, not a ton of TDs, 12 TDs to four picks, but the ratio is fine. It's not awesome, but it's, it's pretty good. And, and so I think that it's more to it than just Bowers. Now we'll see. I mean, you got a, two weeks to prepare if you're four to try and take McConkey and all those other guys out of it um, with, with Bowers out, but – I still think that Beck has played pretty good football, and I think that they are going to be uh, be okay in the long run. Again, though, they do have an interesting stretch now. Uh, with 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 after the Florida game, they really continues to ramp up. It's the uh, Missouri, Ole Miss, and then at Tennessee stretch. So we'll see uh, we'll we'll see what that's like for them. But I think in this game they'll be uh, okay not to have Bowers against Florida. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how long Florida can, can hang in the game there. Other SEC games. Um, there's three others. Not going to really spend time on Vandy Ole Miss. Uh, Vandy needs to win out to make a bowl game. I'm going to spoil it. They're not going to make a bowl game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ole Miss is going to be be fine there in Oxford this week. The other two, other two games. Texas A&M hosting South Carolina. And number 21, Tennessee going to Kentucky. Tennessee-Kentucky is interesting. Both teams 5-2. and two. Kentucky's already had their shot at Georgia. They missed woefully. Tennessee's not, but Tennessee's got two conference losses. So if Tennessee, they're really out of it. They they need Missouri to stun Georgia or Florida or Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss might still be the most practical one. If Bowers does not come back for that game, maybe Ole Miss can churn out the offense in Athens to give them a scare, even though Georgia's defense is still really good this year. Uh, but But Tennessee needs help demoralizing situation for them last week. They were yeah. awesome in the first half, up 20-7. to seven. Milton was playing his best football. He was playing finally to that gaba potential that I felt like he had. And in the second half, Alabama just suffocated them and changed the game completely. It's the value of being at home. The momentum changes rapidly. And Alabama came out on like two or three play drive, immediately set the tone for the second half. And you knew things were going to be different. They certainly were. 
So for Tennessee, do you, do you get down a little bit? Because you go from playing Alabama to playing Kentucky. And then if you're to Kentucky, um, try not to leak too much here. You'd certainly right. understand losing to Georgia, although not not, not the, the way pre- that they did. Right, not the preference to, to get housed like that. But then even after the Georgia game, you then go and do lose to Missouri on your home field by a decisive margin. I mean, they, they were – uh, they were getting whooped post-first quarter by Missouri. So losers of two straight trying to stop the bleeding. How do you see this game going? Yeah, this could be an interesting one. Again, it's, it's been, you know, Tennessee has just been, you know, I agree, underwhelming. You know, you expected Joe Milton to be more explosive than what he has been. Um, uh, Kentucky has a good run game. Uh, Tennessee just again i just am not impressed i'm not very i've not been very impressed by either team um to to be quite honest uh and and you're right you know kentucky coming off two straight losses this is going to be one that they really are going to need to get um that since they'll especially since they'll be at home uh that's this is a really important one if you're tennessee this is one that you also need to preserve having a quality season so this is really a must win for both teams, which is uh, – I, I don't always know if you can always say that every week, but this is a game that is important in terms of SEC play for both teams. Um, Devin Leary, again, has been relatively underwhelming as well just overall. I mean, he's only got about 1,300 yards, 14 TDs to seven interceptions. So, yeah. um, you know, that the two-to-one ratio is not Not going to cut it. Yeah, not great. So uh, – I, I don't know how I see this one playing out because, like I said, I think both teams need this game. So I think they're I think they're both going to be on some real serious business. Uh, I could definitely see it being a close game. I think I'm going. I think I'm going to lean Tennessee, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky came out with it. But I think I'm going to lean Tennessee just from an overall talent standpoint. Um, and their their offense it, it produces just overall more yards, and I think they um, will have the ability to to just push the ball a little bit better. Um, but that run game, I mean, the the Kentucky defense is is not allowing many rush games or rushing yards per game, only ninety five, which is pretty good. Uh, and I would say that Tennessee's a a, a more heavy run game type of team, but their I mean their offense is relative is is overall pretty balanced. I feel like just in times of need they really lean on their run game more. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that dynamic. But I do lean Tennessee. Uh, I just think that I think that Josh Heupel is a better coach, and then I think that just uh, Tennessee will be a little bit more talented. And then that leave. Well, I guess I should give a, a, a word on who I think what w- will win this game. I guess maybe. But- <laughs> uh, I lean towards Tennessee. I'm yeah. just scared about the desire factor. And, and again, when I say that, I don't mean that oh, Tennessee's not going to play hard. That, that's not what I mean because that's a pretty serious right. accusation. What I mean is that there are certain teams that lose an edge when they are playing someone they don't respect as much or they don't find it to be as big of a game or now they can't realize their preseason goals. Like It is just yeah. a mental hurdle to clear. And I do worry a little bit about that because Kentucky's been off a week. They're trying to reset their season. Uh, they try to be more physical. Obviously, they don't have a million great athletes. Uh, so I think Tennessee's the better team, but I think this is a more of a mental hurdle for them. The one thing I will say about Kentucky, 
is they've got to be at least a little disappointed with Devin Leary this year. Got to be. I thought Devin was really good at NC State. Yeah. And many rated him as the top transfer portal quarterback there late. Yeah. Um, felt like it was between him and, and Thorne late. And, and obviously, Auburn couldn't get Leary. They went Thorne. It's not really worked out for either. I, yeah, I mean, you I, wonder how much better the Auburn offense would be with Leary under center, and you're, you're I mean, right? Not convicted. Eh. I, I think yeah. it'd be a little better, but not. Would it be? Would it be enough to not play two quarterbacks? That's something that's, that you got to ask <laughs> for sure. You got to ask that, right? That's really what we're asking at, at this point. But certainly, Leary has not been a revelation for Kentucky, and they've continued to look the same as they have in other years. Pretty good run team, really good defense, not enough quarterback play, not enough uh, not enough explosive plays. I mean, that right. was the case even with Levis last year. And I talked about it in the preseason, I thought Leary would end up being better than Levis was right. from a production standpoint. That's not necessarily come to fruition, but uh, the Kentuckys continue not to figure out that quarterback position. So I'll still lean Tennessee, but again, I'm interested to see the the, the attitude the Volunteers have this weekend. Final SEC game to hit on. We'll take our next break. This one, not a huge one. South Carolina and Texas A&M. Uh, the best versions of this team could have had this being a pretty good game, but we've not gotten the best versions of these teams. Texas A&M is 4-3 and three on the season. South Carolina is just 2-5. and five, Goodness, man. Uh, which has caused the head man to break a foot. <sighs> frustration. That's rough. Uh, if South Carolina loses this, they're down to two and six. They're in the same position Arkansas would be in. And they do have some winnable stuff the rest of the year, but there's still a couple games that seem like hurdles. They will host Jacksonville State, which is a little more than you want out of a group of five team, but I'll still favor South Carolina. They then host Vandy. That should be a win. They then host Kentucky and host Clemson. So, I mean, they got four straight at home to finish the year, but Kentucky and Clemson will be question marks and just right. – best version of South Carolina they can win those games but again are you getting the best version of South Carolina so uh, if they lose this game they are in jeopardy of missing a bowl game which would be a, a very large setback for Shane Beamer really already this year has been a setback I mean Agreed. he already got five losses period that's not necessarily what the uh, folks what you're at looking for. Columbia were looking for yeah. after the way they finished last year so, uh, speaking of things that you're not looking for if you're fans uh, Texas A&M being four and three this year <laughs> uh, and their season's far from over this is kind of important in making sure that they um have a shot at a decent bowl game because for them, I know they missed the bowl game last year. The expectation with Jimbo Fisher is not just to make a bowl game. If they win this, they should beat State at home. They'll take care of Abilene. They get seven wins there, but then they're at Ole Miss and at LSU. If you find one of those games finished eight and four, that's a Florida bowl. That's near a top 25 team. And okay, it's an improvement. It's still not what you're looking for, but an eight win team maybe gives Jimbo one more year. Uh, the downside of this, if you somehow blow this South Carolina, uh, they'll still be to Abilene. I will still give them for the sake of the argument Mississippi State, and that's six. But then if you lose, I mean, at Ole Miss, at LSU, then you count those as losses. There's still six and six scenario in here, and again, good that's grief. That's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah good grief. Um, again, there's different ways to have a six and six. There's different attitudes towards a six and six, but, but – one of them Dude. in year six or seven of a program for Jimbo Fisher to go six and six. I don't care what last year looked like. This is not good enough. No, not good enough at all. Um, I don't expect them to uh, to lose this game against South Carolina. I just think South Carolina is is having that rough of a season. Um, again, you're right. Under normal circumstances, at their peak, you know this is probably a pretty good game. But South Carolina has just been so disappointing, and and they they have not been able to bounce back in any way whatsoever. 
Um, and, and I mean, you know, you could see it from the frustration based off femur breaking, uh, excuse me, Beamer breaking his foot. Um, Beamer breaking his femur. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> nice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, so it, it's been, it's been an overall disappointing season. Texas A&M still has a chance to salvage some things. I think if you can get to eight wins, I I I think that does save Jimbo's job. Six wins, though. Obviously, I think he's canned. I think he's done. Uh, but again, you have the opportunity. Um, you know, I, I think Abilene Christian, like you said, is a win. Um, I, I do think they win against South Carolina and and the Mississippi State game. I I just I don't think Mississippi State's great. Plus, it's a home game as well. So that plays a part into it, um, and so with with that, I think that's a, you could I can comfortably say that that's a win. Um, at Ole Miss, at LSU, I could just knock those off as losses. Um, yeah, they did beat I, LSU last year. They which did was weird, they but did, which which was weird. But I still I think this LSU team is not much better. I mean, they're obviously terrible on defense. But I think that offense is so overwhelming, and they will be at home. This yeah, year. and they'll be at home. So that that again is something that is definitely going to play a factor, and it's it more than likely will be a night game. Um, I, I would say I would give it a pretty solid chance of it being a night game. So you've got a night game in Death Valley, um, so you know how those go. Uh, you know, so, I, don't, yeah, I don't, I I don't have very passionate takes about over unders and about. Uh, betting lines very often, but I just this game struck me. I'm just kind of realizing it. Yeah, the A and M's favored by 17. Interesting. And I'm sorry, I just don't feel that way. I, I like I think it should be. Less. I think it should be seven. I would seven. take the one off. Okay. Gotcha. I, I would say that if this was in Columbia, South Carolina, it'd only be like a one point A and M favorite because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I a South Carolina beat them last year, and I know that we're halfway into this year. We don't need to reference last year too much, but like the A and M is not significantly better than last year's team, not with Max Johnson at quarterback. But I think South Carolina is significantly worse. worse. Sure, I think that the move here is the fact that South Carolina cannot pass block, and A and M's no. front's pretty darn good. Yeah, and they're at home. Yeah. But I'm just I'm sorry. I trusting A and M to do anything positive is is <laughs> a gamble. It is it, a gamble. It's a gamble right? at this point in the I Jimbo Fisher tenure. That's tenure. fair. That's uh, fair. South Carolina's still not Vandy. Uh I st- like I still think that South Carolina has some chops if if Rattler can get a pass off. He's still played pretty well this year. Uh they're just defense is But again, I don't like Max Johnson. I think that I, I can't guarantee you. That they'd be five and two or six and one with Wegman in there, but I do think that Wegman would have given them a real chance at Tennessee. They lost twenty to thirteen, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm sorry, but Tennessee's defense is fine, but it's not invincible. And I just when I watch Max Johnson, I'm just constantly underwhelmed. And I, we've used underwhelmed a lot this year. I feel like. But I, I just I don't think there's a whole lot of upside for Max Johnson. I think he's just a generic quarterback that doesn't make too many mistakes, but also doesn't enhance your play. Yeah. And I would have rather seen Wegman this year for them to see if he could have enhanced the their play scope. some. Yeah. Yeah. For uh, sure. Because I mean, they were in the Bama and Tennessee games. They gave up 26 and 20 points respectively. You got a shot at it. And you know maybe some of it's Petrino still, but I just think that I just think that Max Johnson's just not a great college quarterback. And so. 
I, that also being said, that's why I don't think that they'll necessarily take advantage of South Carolina's defense. I think that they will score some, but I, I, I still pick a and to win. I just think 17's aggressive. I just think if you're pounding that over, you're very aggressive. You're, you, you're on the South Carolina's going to end up four and eight train or something because uh, I, I think they still have a passing attack and and A&M just doesn't have a lot of offensive teeth at this juncture in the year. But that is a look at the SEC. We'll go ahead and take our first break here in hour number three when we come back. More on Auburn, Mississippi State. Also, a look around the rest of the country. Just a couple games we want to talk about briefly. Really, we'll say one game to talk about briefly. And then we'll look and see if there's any other teams that should be on upset alert. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. have your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 follow sports call on twitter at sports call au like us on facebook at sports call au Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. Getting you set. Auburn, Mississippi State coming up tomorrow. We were just talking off air about uh, some of the events going on tomorrow. Military Appreciation Day. And everyone got a good look at that helicopter, Apache helicopter, uh, earlier today. Pretty sick. And so that's going to be doing a flyover uh, with a couple Blackhawks tomorrow, it looks oh, like. Yeah, so that's going to be dope. Yeah, pretty exciting there. Uh, so look forward to that in the pregame festivities. Again, we'll get to final thoughts on Auburn, Mississippi State in just a moment. The one game I want to hit on in the country is Oregon and Utah. And, again, we ta- I talked a little bit about this with TP and Brooks yesterday because, again, it's just kind of easily the most important national game of the week. Uh, this is kind of an elimination game. I'm not sure that Utah can make the playoff with one loss. I don't really think they control their destiny. I think there's a scenario, but again, they need help. Yeah, Oregon, who's their one loss? UCLA, uh, Utah. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to I think it's double UCLA. check that. I think it is. But they I'm do like have that. a loss. No, yeah. it's Oregon State. Oregon State. Okay. That's right. It was another low scoring game. What? Twenty-one-seven. Yep. Um, Oregon, yeah. Anyway, uh, so Oregon State's still one loss too. Yeah, right. But, That's crazy. So I'm not sure if Utah really controls their fate. However, I still kind of think Oregon does, or at least they're very close to. They're still number eight in the country despite the loss yeah. to Washington. And again, both teams do have one conference loss. It's a hodgepodge of teams. Again, no more divisions. So uh, picking up a second loss with all the teams that are still in the mix would be very detrimental. Uh, and obviously, it would end the playoff chances, but it would almost in the Pac-12 title chances, I think, too. So what do you think about Oregon and Utah? I think it'll be a fun one, and but I, 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 don't think, I don't think Utah has the offense to keep up with Oregon's. Uh, the defense will be pretty good. Uh, some, some, def- some pretty good defense will be played in this game. Um, 
but I think ultimately Bo Nix and and, um, and the, the Oregon offense, the way that they just are so dynamic and able to score, I think that's going to end up overwhelming the really good Utah defense. Um, and then I, I just don't think that the U, Utah's offense is going to pose any true threat to the Oregon defense. So like the Oregon defense isn't – you know, amazing or any, by any standards, not fantastic, but they're able to, they get the job done. I mean, they're able to get, get it right and, 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 and hold teams, uh, you know, not the most, I mean, I know they had the loss against Washington. And I know that's, that's, I mean, Washington's the best, if the best offense in the country. So um, that's, that's not saying much because they're, they're going to score either way. But you got the good win against uh, Washington State. So you, you after you bounced back, you you went and dropped 38 points there. Um, uh, so now you go into Utah. That will be a challenge, but I do think that that uh, they'll be able to capitalize on it, and and uh, I think the Ducks will will ultimately get a win. You know, Utah being at home just makes me a little nervous about about Oregon, just because Utah you couple the good defense with the home crowd. And you can cause some real havoc there. But I think that what, again, we talk about with Oregon is a lot Bo Nix. But Bucky Irvin and those running backs, they provide great balance to what Oregon does. And it reminds me a little bit of Tennessee from last year, where it was like, yeah, Hendon Hooker is awesome. And he was the best thing about the offense. Like, Bo Nix is the best thing about Oregon's offense. But Tennessee last year could really run the ball, too. And they can this year, by the way, too. And that's where it is with Oregon, is you have the big-name quarterback that has some Heisman chances and, and might end up going to the ceremony. But it's not like, oh, you stop that and they've just got nothing. They have a really good ground game, and they actually are content to run the ball if they need to. Like They're not going to come into a game ever saying, yeah, we need 40 passes to 12 runs. That's, that's, not, how, that's not how they operate. So... I think their balance is why they'll sneak through it, but I do think that there will be some testy moments. And I also just think that Utah with Barnes at quarterback, yes, he played nice against USC, but as you read earlier, seven points against Oregon State. He's not Cam rising, and even though it's a good story because he was a walk-on, I'm just not sure that he's all of a sudden going to put up 30 points again. Uh, USC's defense is not anything like some of these other teams. Abysmal compared to – Oregon so I, I think that's where you have the difference so I, I do think Oregon sneaks along but I do think there's testy moments and, uh, and you know I'm kind of uh, uh, admittedly if I want agent of chaos I would want something weird like Oregon State <laughs> to end up in the Pac-12 title game but if I'm just looking at <laughs> Biebs, uh if you're just looking I'm for dead. best football I think it's pretty clear with USC being weirdly bad is just go ahead and give me Oregon and Washington part two. Yeah. Because I'm still kind of not sold Washington's better than them. Uh, I think that that is a product of the home game. Yeah. And Oregon led that game a lot in the second half, and it was looking like they were about to put away, and they just could not finish one more drive, could not get enough first downs, and then Washington got the ball back and they scored. And so that's, to me, a very 50-50 game, and sometimes in college environments and home field matters. So I'd love to see that game again because I'm still under the suspicion that Oregon might still be a tad better despite Washington winning that game. But I think it would be a heck of a rematch, and I I hope that's ultimately what happens in the Pac-12. All right, rest of the slate, anything else you see? Any upset you want to call? Uh, any any big time playoff implication that you think we're not talking about? 
Uh, any anything else worth mentioning? Rest of the country, not not really. really. <laughs> you, I mean, you don't because you know, Steve gave us some upsets earlier. So not worried yeah, about Oklahoma no, against Kansas. I'm really not, okay. especially not with with the quarterback Jalen Jalen Daniels. Is his yeah, name? Jalen Daniels. Yeah, yeah. I, I, without him, I don't think Kansas is as dynamic. Um, with him, there that could be interesting, but without him, I just don't see it. Sure. I will plug, even though I don't think it'll be an upset, I will plug that, again, we have college football games each and every Saturday on FM Talk 93.9. This week we've got a Big Ten matchup. Again, there's not a, a whole lot of big games, so, I mean, this one we'll see. We'll monitor it. It's number three, Ohio State, at 5-2, and two, Wisconsin at Camp Randall. That's a 6 o'clock airtime on FM Talk 93.9, 6.30 kickoff. And we'll also go ahead and tell you that our game next Saturday is going to be an interesting one. It's going to be Bedlam. Our game over on FM That'll Talk 93.9 uh, will be between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the last bedlam for the foreseeable future. All right, we're going to go ahead and take our next time out of the show. When we come back, Auburn-Mississippi State, time to get into our final predictions, final matchups to look out for. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player, national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon, turning the evening. We only got like one more week until daylight savings time ends. And uh, we'll fall back, so you'll get an extra hour of sleep, which at the time will feel good. But me personally looking outside at like 4.30 and it being dark is not my preference. And I'm going to complain about that an absurd amount probably That's in fair. the next few That's months. That's fair. See, uh, I thought we were ju- just sorry to interject. I thought we were done with that. Yeah, they had agreed to change it, and I don't know what hap- and happened. I'm going to hope that it's next spring. Didn't? Okay, so maybe it, just it, it would next, have to be in the spring. Year. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, because you're sense. going to permanently spring forward, and that's, that's where daylight savings time is. So it, it's not going to be in a November. It's going to be one fine March. You spring forward, and you you're always forward forever. But okay, okay, I, I can understand that. Okay, any any year now, any any year now, we'll, we'll, <laughs> it's coming. But I'm just like, why even bother with the fallback? You know what? It's fine. Forget it. It's fine. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, day will be turning the night as the Auburn-Mississippi State game ends tomorrow, and hopefully as the sun goes down, the Tigers will have more points on the scoreboard. Now, again, the over-under is 41, so expecting a low-scoring game. Auburn is favored by 6.5, so that's approximately a 24-17 to 17 type of game. So, Cam, when you're thinking about what the score might be, you don't have to pick the winner just yet. I'll ask yeah. you a follow-up, but... You know, six and a half point favorite for Auburn, over under 41. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds perfectly right. Low scoring game. Um, we'll, we'll, 
I, I mean, just Auburn, again, I will consistently say this probably till I'm blue in the face. Auburn has a cap of like 24 points. Like if you score more than 24 points against Auburn, your chances of winning the football game increase drastically because Auburn's not just not able to to push it into the end zone like that and move the ball at a consistent rate. Uh, but I do think that this Mississippi State offense is worse than that, just in terms of not having Will Rogers, potentially having your starting running back injured, not playing to his full potential. So you're leaning on backups at both of those positions, which if you're Auburn and you're the, the defense, you love that because that sets you up for success. Um, if you're the offense, now you just have to figure out how to find some continuity and just punch it into the end zone just a few times because, again, you've, you're going to have the home field advantage. That is going to show up. The fans of Jordan-Hare will always show up and show out uh, no matter what. Um, and so at this point, it's, it's the time where you just got to give them something to cheer for, something to uh, appreciate and uh, win at home after especially coming off back-to-back losses at home uh, would be something that would definitely be highly encouraging to the fan base as a whole. It sets you up also for an opportunity for success. You have the chance to go on a potential four-game win streak here before going into the Iron Bowl, and uh, I mean, you need that. You, you really need that. Getting getting to be bowl eligible um, uh, would be something that would be, you know, highly highly regarded at this point uh, in how you've looked in the season. If you can say, hey, the offense has looked abysmal. The defense has looked very good. We haven't really been able to score. But at the end of the day, still at the end of the season, still able to make a bowl game you can see some upward trajectory from there. So you have to start here. It's imperative that you get get the win against Mississippi State here um, and and uh, continue on with forward, forward momentum. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that this is the true um, – I, I think crossroads in the season from a record standpoint. I mean, they've got yes. to start putting wins together. Uh, I know that coming out of the bye week was incredibly disappointing some thought that would be kind of a turning point it was very much negative nope battled back against Ole Miss had a very competitive game had a, a tie ball game into the second half but I mean this is a team that just in Mississippi State that's not really had a clear direction here the last year or two and of course that's not really their fault again uh, the passing of, of Mike Leach was incredibly significant but that's a team that has not necessarily stacked any sort of recruiting classes does not have a long-term identity that it's trying to flesh out. It's a team that is not put together. It's, in fact, another year one team. And we talk about in program building where situations are at. And year one of something is always going to be more difficult than year three or year four of something if if the plan is, is going right. And so that's none of that this week mississippi state's in year one and, and even though they hired arnett and and he's, he's been, been on staff some, he's been facing some chris sure i mean i mean if they had not won against arkansas and they're three and four coming to this and i mean i could have seen a one and done scenario i don't really see that yeah. now i think they'll stick with him yeah but it's certainly uneasy and they yeah. put it this way they made the hire based off what was right for the kids and the unprecedented life situation that right. happened Rather than thinking long-term football program. Yeah, our, I mean, yes, I agree. And but man, Arnett went into that and then fired the entire staff. 
you know, uh, that was uh, uh, under uh, Mike Leach. So you didn't really get as much continuity true, as you kind of figured. Uh, Arnett came in and kind of just changed a lot of things. You know, there's been some things where I've read where people think that he's kind of in over his head and, and um, wasn't ready to be a head coach. And they're saying, well, you went and fired, you know, the entire staff that – was kind of the reason that you got hired to kind of create some comfortability for these kids. And um, so he's faced some criticism for that. And so I wonder, you know, I think you're, you're right. They could, I think he could still be facing a one and done situation. I think there's still an opportunity. There's still a chance that he ends up being just a one and done coach. And then Mississippi state turns the page and goes somewhere else. So I, I wonder how that's going to kind of, how that's kind of going to play out. Um, I mean, he changed the entire offense. I mean, everything's completely different. So I, I'm very unsure um, how how he's gonna how they're gonna be able to move forward as a program, uh, Mississippi State. It, it, I mean, it's definitely unprecedented. But um, I, again, if you're Auburn, you have a very big opportunity here to get the win, um, and I think that you can um, build upon you know, build upon some success here. I, I just don't see you, you again. I say you have to get this win. You just, it's very, very important that you get the win against Mississippi state. If you are Auburn, because this is something where moving forward, you, you, you have to turn the page. Like you said, Ryan, you're at a crossroads with your, with your record. So you have to have to have to have to get this win. Yeah. And you're at home. So yeah, the, the home three losses too. in a row at home in Jordan Hare. Fans are not going to like that. No, They're and, not. and uh, I still think that the energy will be brought. Obviously, you can argue it may not be 100% of 100% because it's not number one Georgia or top 15 Ole Miss, but right. not a night game. But uh, I still think that the, the crowd will still be very into it. I our, agree. Our friend Matt from uh, Tallahassee, Matt for Auburn, uh, just called in with a uh, score prediction. He won his three. He's got Auburn winning 27-13, to 13, which, uh, okay. again, uh, – over under wise lines right up with it um, certainly could happen. We'll get our score prediction here in just a second. Just a couple minutes left in the show. Again, we're on the same page. Want to see one quarterback and understand that that's probably still not going to happen. Uh, I, I just it, I, I I can't again. I can't really articulate enough how much bigger of a pill it is to try to swallow when you do the two quarterback rotation and even if you have one quarterback underperforming uh, for the majority or entirety of a game I think everybody would just be ready to see that um, that change either way I don't I don't know uh, not heard a a strong opinion for either guy I've heard some both again I think you listen to Hugh Freeze I think that they they're still going to be playing both. I, I, I just do. But uh, any other X factor to hit on before final prediction? Are you ready for the final prediction? I'm ready for final prediction. Let's All do right. it, man. Final prediction for us. I've got Auburn winning 24 to 10. 24-10. So very yeah. similar to Matt. He had 27-13. Yeah. 24 to 10. I, I've got Auburn winning 24-10. Uh, I think they'll be able to move the ball. A decent amount. I think the defense is going to be something that's really going to hold everything down, put the offense in good positions to move the ball, no long fields, things like that. Uh, I think that they'll be able to maybe force some turnovers as well and, again, set up the, the offense for success and just keep the field short and, and be able to uh, just 
give the Auburn offense opportunities to to put the ball in the end zone. So 24-10, uh, um, and I, I think Auburn comes out with a win. Yeah, so I I just struggle as a human uh, yes. with with low scoring games. That's fair. I just like when I do my predictions, it's so I'm I again this is why I don't bet. Unders cash a lot. And I just never like unders. I I just can't ever do it. I should. This game will not be high scoring. And I'm not thinking it's all going to be really high scoring. But do I think that one team could sneak to 24? And it'd be 24 to 20 or 27, 21. Yes, I do. I'll give you two different predictions. Both have Auburn winning, but I do think it's, I think the quarterback situation at Mississippi State is important enough to give you two separate outcomes. I think if Will Rogers plays, I think Auburn wins 24 to 20. I think it's a close game. I do think they get a couple field goals mixed in there too. I think they move the ball. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that he's a guy that's had a lot of success against Auburn in two games. Uh, he was able to obviously lead a huge comeback in 2021 here. Yeah, he was. And so Rodgers is worth something. He is still a competent SEC quarterback, even if he is more of an air raid system guy than what they've been doing post-Mike Leach. So I think 24-20 to 20 if he plays. If Mike Wright plays – and it's a different dynamic, it's a different type of thing that Auburn will be defending, then I think that even makes the score go down a little bit, even for Auburn a little bit too, because I think there'll be more running in the game. Yeah, I yeah. don't think Mississippi State's going to be trying to chuck it uh, with Mike Wright in there. So I'll go down even a little bit more and go Auburn 20, Mississippi State 13 if Mike Wright is in the game. So I guess basically take a touchdown away because some of this too – you say, man, you keep picking a lot of field goals. You do realize they have to enter scoring position to do that. Well, yes, I do, but I also have an inkling that there'll be a couple turnovers involved here. And yeah. you can turn the ball over at your own 30. The other team makes seven yards, kick a field goal, and that's three points. So it's I don't necessarily look at it as, yeah, Auburn's going to put together four to five 75-yard drives, and I don't necessarily think that Mississippi State's putting together four to five 75-yard drives, although I think right. there'll be a couple both ways. Again, I don't expect – look, if, if I might feel better about Auburn gaining another touchdown or so if they would play the same quarterback, but, again, we know they're not. We know that's going to be the switching, and yep. we know that there will be a random good drive and then three or four inadequate drives. That's just the way this has been. And so I trust Auburn in front of their home crowd to get one extra possession, uh, like one more turnover, one more huge play. But, yeah, it's not going to be the most beautiful thing in the world. And I don't think everyone's going to leave the game saying, yep, Auburn's fixed it. Uh, we're, we're, we're back, so back. I don't yeah. think it's going to be that. But I do think Auburn does enough to win. I do think it does enough to start to right the ship of its season and propel itself towards bowl eligibility, which, again, is not the overall expectation of Auburn University. It's not the expectation in future years. But for year one, on the heels of a team that did not make the bowl game, it at least is something to – uh, try to uh, yearn for and something to at least uh, be somewhat satisfied with in year one. All right, final minute or two of the program. Time for a nightly TV guy before we get out of here. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. All right, the main things for you tonight. The association is back first week of NBA basketball. There's a doubleheader tonight, 643. Yes. 
I guess it's tip-off time. 6.43. Good for Brooks finding it. Miami Heat at the Boston <laughs> Celtics. I mean, I get yeah, it. You're right. You're that's right. an educated guess at it. But 6.30 it will air. 6.43 tip-off. Miami Heat, Boston Celtics. Rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals from last year. And then a little bit later tonight, a recap of a first round or a rematch of a first round series from the Western Conference at 9-15, the Golden State Warriors at the Sacramento Kings. World Series starts tonight, game one, Arizona Diamondbacks at the Texas Rangers, first pitch scheduled for right after 7 o'clock. There's also Women's College Volleyball, SEC Network Plus, number 24 Auburn. Still good to say that still ranked Auburn Volleyball team, number 24, Auburn, goes to Athens to take on Georgia. That's, again, 6 o'clock, SEC Network Plus. And then you've got one more uh, sport for you, college football, little Ivy League, 6 o'clock on ESPNU, Brown and Penn. And that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will do it for the show for the day and for the week, Cam Barry, thank you for being here, sir. Hope you have a great weekend. I know you will not be necessarily in the stadium, yeah. um, but uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again here on the show next week. Absolutely glad to be here. You have a good weekend as well, Ryan. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. That will do it for the show today. Again, as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. Reminder, Borgard High School football coming up right here at 630 and Smith Station football coming up tomorrow, 11 a.m., from the Crampton Bowl here on our Tiger Communications family of stations. For Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Friday night. Have a great weekend. War Eagle, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.